0: Welcome to Talking Trade. I'm Sandy Siegel, President of MEJ, Day.
1: And I'm Ian Coxett at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. And today we're delighted to have as our guest Will Shu, uh, President of Shu uh, Ginseng Enterprises in Marathon County, uh, Wisconsin. Uh, Will is, uh, I'm very happy to say, is a UW-Madison uh, School of Business graduate. He also got an MBA from Harvard, I guess. Uh, And the shoe shoe farm is the largest ginseng farm in the United States. Now, Will has been a leader and a very big supporter of the ginseng industry, uh, as well as of the local community that depends on that industry uh, in his area. And I've got to say, uh, uh, he's also been a very big supporter of UW Madison through his service to the UW uh, Foundation. Now, Will, uh, Wisconsin, as we know, uh, produces 95% of North of the United States ginseng and exports about half of the uh, uh, ginseng from this country, most of that to China and Hong Kong, and we know that uh, Wisconsin ginseng has a very special place in the market because of its attributes uh, and its quality. Uh, And so uh, it's a very big industry where you are and a big industry for the state as a whole. Um, let's begin with some ancient what we think of as ancient history that is uh, since 2018 the uh, the the Trump uh, era trade uh, war with China the retaliatory tariffs by China from 13 to 40% on Wisconsin uh, or US uh, ginseng exports and then the pandemic after that any any indications of lasting effects on the industry or is it bouncing back from all of that.
2: Um, I think you're actually seeing uh, the lasting effects really just starting to take hold now, two Mm. or three years after the trade war was uh, begun. And I think it takes that long because of how long the crop takes to grow. You know, most of the ginseng that we are harvesting this year on our farms was actually planted in 2016.
1: At oh, the start really? of
2: the previous election cycle. And so what you're seeing today are prices that have continued to fall from 2018. Every year has seen about a $10 per pound decrease in prices. And they've kind of bottomed out now. But what the the lasting effect is that a lot of the farmers uh, in the last two or three years have decided to exit the industry. So we're hearing more and more uh, small farmers who are just choosing with these low prices to no longer plant. And once you stop planting, that means two or three years down the road, you won't have a crop to harvest. Uh, And so
1: those types of longer
2: term lasting effects, some of them we still haven't seen yet.
1: so, uh, uh, well, Will, those, those are much darker numbers than I'd expected. Uh, tell us a little, put that in context for us. What kind of percentage decline is that in terms of output and uh, numbers of farms?
2: So uh, it's hard to tell the output percentage because yields and acreages vary by farmer. Uh, and mm-hmm. you know, the, a lot of the information we, that we have is confidential um, and is only shared with the state. So, but in terms of the number of farmers, you know, we expect to lose probably somewhere between 15 and 20 farmers in the next couple of years. Uh, There's fewer than 170, possibly even fewer than 150 farmers left growing this crop. So uh, you're talking about a loss of roughly 10% of the farmers uh, in our industry. Yeah.
0: So help me understand, Will, um, you've talked about the pricing being driven down significantly, and yet there's less producers. So you know, I always think about the rules of supply and demand. Mm-hmm. What what exactly has caused the pricing to drop so much? Is it to offset the China retaliatory tariffs to make it more competitive, or um,
2: yeah, I, I I think there's part of that. There's two pieces to that. One is the tariffs and the retaliatory tariffs. Uh, the original tariff on ginseng was about 13%. It went up to 42 uh, and a half. And then with the kind of handshake agreement, they reduced it down to 32. Uh, and that, so they reduced that last round of 10% tariff. But still, you're seeing a significant increase in the tariff. Uh, and so the processor or the purchaser in China has passed that back onto the farmer. They have said that they will continue to buy the product, but they want to buy it at roughly the same prices that they were purchasing it before. So mm-hmm. that was kind of the, the first round effect in 2018, 2019. And then you have the pandemic. The pandemic somewhat suppressed uh, demand for the product. Uh, Just because people weren't out shopping, they weren't out giving gifts. Jingxing is a very big gift-giving item, uh, and that's because it's to promote health. And so people give it to friends and family members when they go visit them and uh, travel for the holidays, especially Chinese New Year or Mid-Autumn Festival. Uh, Those holidays and high holidays tend to be big gift-giving events, and Jingxing is a big part of that. So, without people traveling uh, and then adding on the expense of the tariffs, farmers are receiving less even though the price to retail or to the customer hasn't dramatically changed in the last few years.
0: Oh, interesting. So another unfortunate casualty of the trade wars, um, you know, probably unanticipated. Um, Well, on a brighter note, um, we have a recent trade agreement, um, I think not quite finalized, but um, opening the markets to Taiwan and the ability to um, ship fresh produce and in particular fresh ginseng to Taiwan, um, which is a you know, very large market also for, uh, for ginseng. So tell us about that. Where, where do you see that in potential for growth and opportunities for, yep. for your industry? So I think
2: Taiwan really reflects um, you know, a lot of people's concerns about trade in general, which is if you lose a major market such as China, where 80 to 90 percent of our product goes to today, can you create or um, find new markets? Taiwan is one of those we've been working on. Uh, the fresh ginseng to Taiwan trade discussions have been going on for over 10 years. It has taken us 10 years just to develop that market. Uh, And so you can see that it's not immediately that you can replace markets such as China. Um, The other issue with Taiwan is that it's a small market uh, just by its very nature. It's an island nation. It imports a lot of its fresh fruit, fresh food, fresh produce. And ginseng would be one of those new items that would be interesting to customers there that they haven't had access to in the past. They've only had access to dried ginseng uh, historically from the United States. So this is a new product, a new market entry, uh, and it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of investment. um, And there will be hoops to jump through in terms of regulations. So uh, in terms of size, I mean, it's exciting for us because of all the new products and new opportunities, uh, Made available with fresh ginseng versus dried ginseng. The hard part is it's not going to be a sizable market uh, for our industry immediately. Um, You know, just like all new markets, it will take time. And I don't know if it will ever replace the volume of the dried
1: market. Understood. Yeah. Taiwan is only uh, currently only about four or five percent of total uh, U.S. exports of ginseng, right? Relative yep. to that ninety percent figure you said for China, China with Hong Kong, I guess
2: China and Hong Kong together account for almost ninety
1: yeah. percent. That's right. So but, we'll. I'll uh, uh, oh, go ahead, Sandy.
0: I was just going to say, on, on a personal note, is it a is it a nice win? I I understand your your family is from Taiwan and your history is Taiwan, so yeah. I, I'm sure that has some nice. Um, you know, right. Impact.
2: And our brand is, re- is, is highly recognized in Taiwan because my parents are originally immigrants from Taiwan. Uh, they moved to Wisconsin in the uh, late 60s, early 1970s. And so for them to have that type of high level visit from the US representative to Taiwan, yeah. but then also get access back to their homeland uh, is very meaningful to them in, with a the new product. Uh, my dad has been exporting to Taiwan for a very long time. It was one of his original export. Uh, countries and customers were in Taiwan because he's from there Uh, so it's nice to see you know 48 years later after he
0: started the company
1: that it's coming back full circle again
0: that's fabulous well good luck with that
1: That's a reassuring uh, component of the story, I guess. So uh, kind of brings us to a final question, Will, and that is uh, uh, with what you've described in terms of the trends in the industry. What do you see happening around Marathon County? I mean, this is a big industry where you are a lot of employment, a lot of income generated. So uh, what are the trends in the community there? What's the mood?
2: Yeah. So I think this is one of the interesting crops that Wisconsin grows, because since so much of it is exported, a lot of the purchasing that is done by the buyers is actually foreign. It's foreign investment. It's direct foreign currency in RMB or Taiwan dollars or Hong Kong dollars that's wired here into the U.S. and spent with farmers. Uh, yeah. It's not money that's currently flowing through the central Wisconsin economy. And so mm-hmm. this type of direct injection of foreign currency and foreign investment by means of purchasing uh, is really important to our local economy. And we employ a lot of folks here. Uh, we obviously are having the same issues and struggles finding labor. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of the labor is either migrant labor or foreign immigrant labor on H-2A uh, work mm-hmm. visas. And if you are able to find the labor, the other piece is when prices are this low and you're not receiving as much. So to give you an idea of the impact, uh, the industry generates about a million pounds a year. The current market price is around $20 a pound on average. Mm -hmm. Um, That was $60 a pound before the trade war. So with that difference, you're talking about a $40 per pound difference or a $40 million difference in the amount of currency that is being injected into our local economy and that has a ripple effect. It has a monetary effect in terms of multiplication but it also has a ripple effect in terms of what we can spend. So we don't buy new machinery, we don't make investments uh, in our uh, facilities and all those things mean that there's probably less money flowing into Um, the local economy here and unfortunately that's one of the downsides of the trade war not only do the farmers receive less but then the local
1: economy is probably also receiving less wow (laughs) Um, So, uh, uh, two really quick questions, I guess, that come from that. One is, uh, uh, how likely is this kind of trend to be permanent? Are other producers picking up the slack and and running with that? And then second, uh, is there any likelihood of foreign direct investment into the industry, that is, purchases of farms and equipment by uh, outside interests who would be producing directly?
2: Yeah, I think those are two really good questions for us to ask as, um, you know, Wisconsinites. Uh, I would say locally, some of the bigger farmers are picking up the slack. Um, They are either helping out their farmer, other farmers with the washing, the drying, the processing to ensure that it can be done cost effectively. Um, And we aren't seeing dramatic swings in output. And I think that's the same in a lot of other agriculture is when some of the smaller producers go out, the bigger producers, just pick up the slack a little bit, um, or it makes up for the lo- lack of demand uh, on the other side. Um, but a more concerning question was your second question, which is foreign investment. Yeah, there actually is. There are quite a few uh, foreign buyers and also foreign investment firms that are looking at making, <laughs> There, I mean, there are quite a few foreign buyers and foreign investment firms that are looking at um, investing in the industry. In fact, one of the larger growers that is, rapidly increasing and expanding is Beijing Tongren Tang Uh, Mm. and they have recently come in within the last few years and made investments in farming, uh, farming equipment and facilities as well as gardens um, south of, in Southern Marathon County to, and rapidly expanding production by, by means of investment. And that's what these low prices do allow, Is It allows them to both purchase, sure. but then also make the investment by either buying farms or working with farmers that are exiting the industry. Uh, and so I think you will see more foreign competition here in central Wisconsin. While that's good for the economy and employment, we all know that what happens to those profits, those yeah. profits will go overseas. Uh, They won't stay here. And so that's the difference with, um, you know, uh, farms that are owned by foreign
1: corporations. Wow. Well, sounds like we've just begun a conversation that could go for a very long time. Unfortunately, our time is up today, but I think we're going to get you back really soon to get a follow-up on some of these uh, really important and very interesting questions. So, uh, Will Schu, uh, thank you very much for joining us today, and we'll look forward to seeing you again. Thanks for the time. Yeah.